Welcome to Opt In with April Jasper. Relevant conversations about topics important to eye care providers today. So, Dave, we went to church today, and on the way home, we noticed this big long line. And it turns out that line was going into the gas station. You said, right? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. We were this this trail of cars is out on the road, and I'm going, where in the world is this going? I couldn't even believe it because I was like. This is like in the middle of nowhere. And you know what I thought? Once you told me it was a gas station, I was like, oh my goodness, is there a hurricane coming? Well, technically it wasn't a gas station. What was it? It was like a wholesale club. Oh, that's right. I was going, why are people trying to get into this wholesale club? I'm going, (laughs) what in the world is going on at the wholesale club? But it turns out, yeah, they had their gas station back there. And uh, definitely a major event right now, right? Yeah, no, it is a little bit uh, scary. I think there are those that are more concerned about it than others. I don't claim to be an economist. I don't really understand all of the aspects of inflation, but I think that it's important to understand what's in our patients' minds and what's in our customers' mind Right. every day when we go to the office and, and we work with customers and patients. And it's not just them, it's us. Every day. We, so, we're facing the prices. Yeah, the same and, as everybody else. And here we are wanting to have a conversation about things that are positive, and we will, because that's who we are, and we want to turn it around to that. But we also are living the reality of what's going on in life, just like everybody else. Right, exactly. And uh, so, well, that being said, how about we get on to the actual topic of the All right, podcast today, right? Okay, so this is going to be what, live, live life in crescendo. I know you've spoken about this several times. You mentioned it a lot in your... Um, and a lot of presentations that you do around the country, you did a whole series basically with this in it. And, uh, so what's, what's the concept of living your life in crescendo? Yes. And you know, I'm not a musician. Both of our kids are. So, uh, Allison plays the harp and the piano and Aiden, the piano as well. He's a pianist. Yeah. So we have been to many concerts. I don't think I saw my first actual orchestra though, until I don't know, probably Broadway when we saw them in the pit and it was an actual show. So it wasn't even really like going to the events that we've gone to in the, in the recent past. Right. But I will never forget. And I think anybody listening can remember those moments where the music just continues to come to a build. build. Yeah. It builds basically It builds up to a point of crescendo. And if you've ever been in that moment and think of a song that does that, you can remember how it made you feel. And what what is that feeling? I, it's just, uh, well, I mean, the moment of, it's it's actually very prevalent right now. Obviously, that's how they make the movies. Whenever you see yeah. a movie, it's all, they're always building, and they're building, and they get, <laughs> I just watched Interstellar the other day on the, on the plane, and it was, the music is constantly <laughs> building on that movie, and you're just, like, constantly trying to figure out what's going to happen. Right. And I mean, I had seen it, so I knew what was going to happen, but still the music, I was going, wow, this, there are nonstop crescendos in this movie. Yeah. I was, and I that's was what it's doing. Amazed. It's building to a yep. point where you're at that happy moment, that moment where life is at its fullest. So when I first heard of this concept, it was in the book, A Third Alternative uh, by Stephen Covey. So the book is actually called The Third Alternative. Right. And everybody that's watching us can see a pile of books on the table next to us. And uh, that's a funny story also because David, I'll never forget, he was trying to be so good to me. And uh, do you remember remember. having somebody come in? Tell him about that. Yeah, so he's actually a friend of ours. And I said, said, hey, yeah, Roger, come. uh, I need you to come to the house. 
April's been bugging me to death because we have books <laughs> everywhere. We have bookshelves everywhere and none of them match. So we're, we're like, running out of space. About, yeah, we're just running out of space because our house is tiny. So we don't really live in a tiny house, but it's a tiny house. <laughs> but um, we were, I so, was like, come on over. I need you to build a shelf for me. He goes, okay. So he comes over. And remember, I wasn't here. So I was seeing patients. Yep, you that's came right. over. That's you were right. going to surprise me. Yep. And then somehow you let it out that Roger had come by and he was going to build bookshelves yep. and he was going to, and I think our concept was maybe just put a, a row along the ceiling. Yeah. Something up high out of the way. <laughs> so we could just put them up there and he goes, he just looks at me and I, I couldn't believe it when he said it. He said it with the straightest face. He's like, just buy her an iPad, get her electronic <laughs> books. Why does she have all these books? And I'm like, oh, she's never going to go for this, Roger. You don't even understand. So I come home and that was really how we left it. He That's never <laughs> even gave us a quote. No. He never even said this is how we could do it. He truly said, yep. just get her an iPad. Yep. So I come home and you told me and I was so excited because we thought, great, I'm going to have a bookshelf and I can buy more books. I was thrilled. So I ask you and you tell me the story and I just looked, <laughs> I think I must have just done this hands open and went, what? So here's all my books. And this isn't everything. We oh, no. actually put nine huge boxes of books in the storage unit because we truly did run out of space. Yep. But you see all the books and the, and the reason they're here is because they have shaped my life. Mm -hmm. And these, I mean, some of them are even old and yellowed and you can see there's little tabs in them. And so I'm going to go through kind of how these books have shaped my life a little bit. And I think that as we talk about the topic, I just want to go back for a second. So the third alternative is a book by Stephen Covey. Stephen right. Covey has written many. You see some of them here in my stack of books, and we'll talk about them a little bit. Yep. But he talks about in the third alternative, there's a chapter called The Third Alternative Life. And in this chapter, he talks about the great cellist Pablo Casals. And I may be mispronouncing his name, but in that chapter, he says how everybody was amazed that he was 92, or actually no, it says 97 years old, and he was still playing his music. He would practice three hours a day, and he was considered the best in the world. It says here he was so beloved in Spain that when he played before the king, listeners pointed to the royal box and shouted, this is our king, but Pablo is our emperor. And he said here, he said to retire is to die. That's what Pablo said. But the other thing he said is that Casals explained that when the music dies down, it's called a diminuendo. I think I said it right. And when the music swells to life and grows and grandeur, it is called a crescendo. And he was determined that his life would not slip into diminuendo. He lived in crescendo. Oh, my. And so when I read that, and I read Stephen Covey say that his big thing, what he says, his personal motto, he actually said, is to live life in crescendo. Your most important work is always ahead of you. Yep. And I love that because it tells us that we're never done, never stop, right. never, you're, you're, it's never over. And so I have to go right to like the bottom of the stack here of, the, of these books, and this one I'm not even done with. So I hate to kind of tell people about a book that I haven't finished in case there's something in it that I, I would be feeling bad about that I told him to read it. But I think it's going to be okay. This one is by Arthur Brooks. And it says, From Strength to Strength. That's the title of the book. Finding Success, Happiness, and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life. Being over 50, and you're not there yet. You're so lucky. Almost. But being really over, <laughs> over 50, I can tell you I feel like I am. And I truly am in the second half of life. 
And what this book tells you, and I love it because it's so true to Pablo's point, is that there's so much to do in the second half of life. And it yep. may not be what we're doing in the first half of life. Right. But what we have to do is understand that our strengths change as mm -hmm. we get older. We may not be the innovators and inventors that, that we were when we were younger. And I think you'll find this extremely interesting to see what happens in our psyche and in our, even our capabilities as we get older. Right. But if you go to the end, so the bottom of the stack talking about that, now it takes you back to, so what do you do today to live a life that is your best life today? Right. Well, uh, and how about we start out with when did this become real to you and why did you go down this road? Yeah, of, that's that's a good place of, to start. Of starting the presentations with that mantra and yeah. when and why. So if I go back to the beginning, I think that where this all began, I mean, I started really learning about the seven habits. So if you go to right. Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right. he talks about how important it is to have good habits. And that one we'll talk about, we'll, we'll spend time in each book down the road. I just want to kind of outline how they affected my life. Yep. Then you go to first things first, and that's kind of how it happened with me. And so David knows, but I'll tell our audience that in, you keep my date straight though, Dave, what year did I have meningitis? It was 2004. 2004. Yep. So I graduated in 1995 and all through those years, my whole goal was to just be a great optometrist. I wanted to be good at my job. Right. And I thought that if I was good at my job, like everybody else should be great at their job, then that was a huge thing. And mm -hmm. it is. But what happened in 2004 is um, we, you and I went to a marriage seminar. Yeah. We flew out to, where was it, Minneapolis? Yep. It was fun. We had a great time. We're yep. flying home. And I will never forget, I'm on the airplane and I started to get this massive headache. Yep. And I could barely make it off the plane. My head hurt so bad. I thought I was not going to be able to move. I've never had a headache like that in my life. I have since, but that was the first time. And we got home. It was Sunday night, right? I was supposed to work the next day. Yeah, I think so. Allison was four, Aiden no, was two. No, you know two. what? I think it was Saturday night. I think yeah, we, come home, right. we came home Saturday night because right. Sunday, you were pretty much out all Sunday. Yep. I was sick all day. I yep. couldn't get past this headache and it just kept building. Talk mm -hmm. about crescendo. The headache kept building and building to the point where I couldn't imagine it could get any worse. Right. I was throwing up all night and uh, the next day I realized that I couldn't bend my chin down to my neck or down to my chest. Yep. And so, so four o'clock on Sunday. Yep. That's when I realized something's def definitely wrong. This Going to the hospital. Sounds up. like meningitis. So the kids were little. It was you and me. My parents are down the road, but we yep. were just like, what do we do? Can't take two little kids to the hospital with us. So my mom came and picked me up. We went to the hospital. It was packed out. Again, pre-COVID. This is not, COVID's not even no. in the picture. But it was packed out and I was in so much pain. I'm just like, I, I don't want to do this. I can't do it. I went back home. Remember, I come back home. I'm thinking it's meningitis. I pretty much knew that's what it was, but I figured it couldn't be bacterial because I didn't have a high enough headache. Right. I mean, a high enough temperature, no, yeah. bad yeah. enough headache. Yeah. Came back home, tried to make it through the night. What did I make it? Another six hours? I think so. And you then, ended up going back in yeah. at what? I think you went in around midnight, maybe. And then got there. And from that point on, the experience was horrible. Mm-hmm. The uh, doctor at the emergency room was just rotten to me, told me I was crazy. I couldn't be sick. Self-diagnosing yourself. Yep. Le leave that to us. Yep. And you're just going, okay. He told me what he looked at me and said, you do not look miserable enough to be, uh, ha to be someone yeah. who has meningitis. You don't have meningitis. 
Yeah. So then did a um, spinal tap, looked at me and said, well, turns out you're right. You do. And so now we're going to admit you. And at the whole, the whole time, I'm just praying that he'd give me something for the pain. I right. was in so much pain. I could not stop throwing up. Yeah. And so um, it started down the path of that. Uh, I was hospitalized. It was horrible. They forgot about me. I was in a room that was at the very end of the hall meningitis yep. with meningitis you're sensitive to sound to light pretty much anything that stimulates your brain and i was in a room that it would be beautiful to someone who was on a resort vacation you know because it was all windows nice view of the intracoastal it was absolutely wonderful but the curtains wouldn't shut so it was bright sunlight yep just like the day. today they bright were, sunny south florida day remember they were working on the parking garage right next to my room <laughs> yep. so jackhammers all day yeah and then they forgot about me, never brought me food because I was in the end of the hallway where they, because they thought I was contagious. Right. So that hospital experience went on for what, three days? Yeah, it was pretty awful. I think awful. it was three days. So we got done with that, brought me, you brought me home. I might've even left without permission. And uh, <laughs> my sister's a doctor. She flew in from Tennessee and helped me get out of there. Yep. But it, it was one of the most horrible experiences I've ever had. And in the end, I sent a letter to the hospital and I just said, hey, you guys should know that this is how my experience was. And I'm sure you wouldn't want that for other people. I got a letter back. Do you remember that? Yeah, from the, uh, it was the CEO, CEO. I think. Yep. You still have that letter. Yeah. And he said to me, his exact words were, your outcome was, uh, what did he say? Favorable. Favorable. And we examined your records and your treatment was exactly as. Acceptable or something like that. I don't remember. I think those were the words. Acceptable, favorable. Your treatment was acceptable. And we, uh, feel badly that you feel that way about your experience. And mm-hmm. that was it. Yeah. And so I think it was at that moment in time, I realized that I as an optometrist can provide an acceptable experience with a favorable outcome. And someone can be terrified when they leave and miserable and uncomfortable and everything else in between and traumatized, yeah. which is exactly what I was. Yeah. I left terrified. I left traumatized. I left a different person and it took a while to come back out of it. And it's probably the first time I've told the story without crying, (laughs) but that is what set me up to understand that I do not want to be that doctor with my patients. Right. I want to provide an experience that they cannot live without. Yep. And I want to live every moment of my life in that moment of crescendo. It's hard to believe you can. And, And it doesn't mean you're building up to this moment of, being at the extreme most happiness every moment, but it means you can live your best life every moment. Right, exactly. So let's take a break. Let April uh, compose her thoughts. We're going to have a commercial break and come right back. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. All right, so we're back. I was telling everybody a little bit about, so what you asked me was honestly how, and I know I go along forever, but what David asked me was, what really started me down this path of living your life in crescendo and that being real to me and important to me. Exactly. And you were at the point where we were in the, you were in the hospital. You were just checked out of the hospital. Yes. 
And oh, and After I sent, three days. sent the letter to the to the CEO. Right. Got a response back that said that the care was acceptable and my outcome was favorable. Favorable. And man, I mean, it's interesting if I would have felt better because it took me a long time to get past this. What people don't yeah. realize is that when you have uh, something like this that affects your brain, you don't just get better. Yeah. No. Like the headache went away. Yeah. It was two weeks at home. You were in bed for. I think another week and a half, at least you were in bed for another week and a half at home. Yeah. Um, we were two years into our practice. That's right. Um, and I don't remember who. No other doctor. Uh, somebody, I think, came and did a couple of days for us. I think but Dr. I don't remember. Mains did. Yep. She was awesome. I don't remember much else, though. I was working full time. At an engineering firm. At an engineering firm. So, I mean, it was just complete. We didn't even have the was, money for no, me to be out. No, it was you a complete shutdown. We had no idea what the hospital bill was going to be. Yeah. Luckily, we had insurance. So oh, that was... that was part of the experience. Remember, I'm in the hospital. Yep. And they put me on morphine when I was in the hospital. My oh, pain yeah. was so extreme. So I'm on morphine and Phenergan to yep. keep from throwing up constantly and keep the pain under control. I'm alone because you're with the kids or my mom's with the kids or you're working. Mm-hmm. And the office, I'm pointing this way because the office is right there. But the office was without a doctor. I think we had Regina we had maybe there a couple of days, two days out of week. the two weeks. Right. Yep. And I remember being in the hospital and waking up out of the morphine-induced stupor and looking over to my side, and there was a stranger. And I said to her, uh, what, what can I do for you? And she said to me, I'm from the billing department, and I'm here to get your payment your, for your deductible. Some co-payer. No, it was my deductible. deductible. My yeah. deductible was $2,000. And she said, do you have your purse with you? And I said, I don't know, but I hope so, because I don't want it in this room when I'm in and out of consciousness. <laughs> and she says, well, I need to collect that $2,000 right now. And I said, well, unfortunately, I don't have any money with me. So you'll have to come back when someone's here. And honestly, I'd rather you not be sitting in my room when I can barely function. Yeah, it was very odd. It, it just... Every moment was a negative. Yeah. I woke up in the night to have someone see somebody walking through my room. And turns out later they told me they were cleaning. But when you're alone and it's dark and you're at the end of a hallway and pretty much people have forgotten about you and there's a stranger in your room at night, it doesn't make you feel good. So needless to say, the experience was awful and we came out of it and uh, it took me a couple weeks before I could get back to work. But yeah. even after that, I was just very emotional and very attentive to the fact that that's not the way you care for somebody and right. people should and could and can do it different. Absolutely. And I really thought about it and I thought, you know, think about how much different it could have been if they would have treated me better. Mm-hmm. That could have been an experience that changed my life in a positive way as opposed to, and it did, because I'm not going to let an experience bring me down. Right. Not for long. No. So I do. Unfortunately, it, it was something you could get over and you did heal from it and you did and end learn up coming from back. It. And yeah. learn, yeah, well, and definitely learn from it. But I mean, physically though, and yeah. as a sickness, as a whatever you want to call that, disease, I guess you got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily you could actually recover from that one. The other one was deadly. The other version of right. meningitis is actually deadly. So, I mean, yeah. you were able to recover from it and that that was a blessing, obviously. And then to but, be able to yeah. make so the turn. Coming out of it, I think the thing that for me, you asked about this living your life in crescendo, it doesn't mean that I, I do it well, but I sure try. And I want right. to, because I want our kids to know that that's right. what they should do. We want to do it. Right. And uh, so, no, it just, it, it basically leads to the fact that Every single person and customer 
and patient or whatever you want to call it that walks through our door, whether they're yeah. there because they have a flat tire on the road or they're there for an eye exam or <laughs> there to buy glasses. Right. Every single person is going to get treated the same exact way. Yeah. Or and they're going to be they're going to be treated with respect and what can we do for you? We're here to serve right. you. And and how can we make your life better? Exactly. Not just by fixing your eye care needs. And yep. that's really what it's about. So when you bring it back to what we can do in our office, I think a perfect example is we had a patient came over from the Bahamas and he came in one day and I knew he didn't have an appointment. So I yeah. said, uh, hello and went out and talked to him and what can we do for you? And guess what he needed? He didn't need glasses. He needed a piece of equipment. He fixed. did. They needed an ophthalmoscope yep. because they had very little equipment or care. Yep. And when they had emergencies, the, the general doctor there needed just an ophthalmoscope. Right. And so we were able to arrange a way for him to get what he needed. And yeah. he didn't leave until he had it in hand to yeah. take back to the island. I don't island. even know who, man, we called it's, like 10 different people that day. Yeah, we made we it We finally happen. found somebody local. I think they ended up driving it over. It took him a few hours to get to us. Yep. Because he was waiting to go back to the island to get this piece of equipment. And then, literally. Remember the other patient? So we had a patient that called that same year. So all of this was in a period of this year, us learning that this is our goal. Now, how do we make it happen? And how do we make it happen in a way that will help to influence right. our patients right. for the better? So yep. we had another patient that came in and actually, no, he called me and he had come to see me every year, but he called me out of the blue and he says, April, my, um, my wife is here with me. We just flew in. So there are snowbirds. They come down here in the, in the winter and they have another home in the North in the summer. And he says, we just flew in and she's in absolute misery. She's in so much pain. She's having abdominal pain. I don't want to take her to the emergency yep. room. I remember this patient. Yep. Can you get me a doctor for her to see? So of course we all have connections. I call up a gastroenterologist friend and said, could you see this patient? They got yep. her right in. He sent us a thank you card the next day, which blew me away that he took the time to do this because what he said in his card, and I still have it. I yeah. keep all of these things. Yeah. He said, thank you so much for everything that you've done, because I want you to know we got into the see the doctor and they sent her for an immediate uh, scan. And it turns out she has cancer yeah. and uh, they are very concerned about her future. They told us that they think that it's terminal, but we just want you to know that you helped to get us care quickly. Now we're bringing our family around to be able to spend their last days with her. Yeah. And it was so impactful to us and important to us that you helped us with what we needed. Absolutely huge. So I think that for us, what this all comes back to is listening to our patients and understanding that we want to make a difference for our patients. And I know we only got through two questions you had for me, Dave, in this. So we'll, we'll continue this one. I think it's important. Yeah. And we can do a part two. Yeah. Let's do a part two so we can tell more of our story. Sounds perfect. So right. thank you all for joining us. We so appreciate you watching and listening. I know a lot of you are listening, so you'll have to maybe jump on so you can see the stack of books and we'll have it with us for part two. Before neural lenses, I always had eye strain, eye dryness, eye fatigue, moderate to severe headaches. I had to take prescription medication. It was to the point where I guess they'd want me to sit down and color or read them books. And I couldn't, I couldn't do nothing. When I got my neural lenses, my headache went away. I wasn't taking Tylenol anymore. Can't explain it, but it worked. I would pay double for my neural lenses because I can't go a day without them. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Opt In with Dr. April Jasper.